What's up, fight fans? MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. I'm Gabriel. You can find me on social media at Double G on TV. And I'm joined by my always amazing co-host, Natalie Zamudio. Hey, Double G. What's going on? Happy Wednesday. Very excited to talk with you about MMA. This is actually kind of always the highlight of my week since we started. So let's do it. Oh, my gosh. That makes me so happy. (laughs) I love it, too. This is the one time it's like, okay, I get to just sit and share. It's in the comfort. Respectfully, I don't have to go through all the effort that I do to get out onto the scene when I'm doing interviews or when I'm doing other stuff. So I like it. It's like the best part of my job all rolled into one. All the right on with none of the trouble. <laughs> yeah. So guys, it is April 17th, 2019. We have quite the show. It is the UFC 236. I'll call it after party. I don't care that it's been half a week. Everybody's left Atlanta. I am still buzzing about it, and we had just, um, uh, I guess, really, a lot of stories are going to kind of rotate back to UFC 236 and this whole fight week, so today's show really is talking about a lot of stuff that went on, and obviously, you know, the big headlines that, you know, dominated the conversation last week, but Natalie, okay, first off, before we talk fights, ordering the pay-per-view on ESPN+. Plus. What, how easy, what was the biggest roadblock? Tell me about it for you. Right. Biggest roadblock was that you couldn't make in-app purchases. So uh, ESPN plus UFC had gotten me, had already trained me to go into the app, you know, select the fight I wanted to watch and then cast it to my TV. That's pretty seamless process. Um, What happened with the pay-per-view was that I actually started watching it late. And so the, like emotion for me was like, I need to hurry up and get this going. I think I might've reacted a little better if I had done it, you know, at 6 PM or 7 PM instead of like 8 30. So I go in the regular way I'm used to. And I just get this message that says you cannot complete this purchase on this device. So I kind of start freaking out a little bit. My fiance is like, what's going on? He doesn't quite understand my, my concern. I text you. I was like, can you get in? I don't know what's happening. Mm -hmm. So I calmed myself down. I went to the website on my computer. Turns out, at least for this pay-per-view, you had to purchase through a a desktop or a laptop for some reason. And then you can log back into your app and cast away. So a couple of extra steps, not the end of the world, but I I wish they had been more clear about it at the the jump. Um, You know, I, I, I guess, I guess on the prelim card, they were, they were, they were explaining to you how to, how to buy the pay-per-view, but I think they should have done that a few days out, not wait the day of to, to lay it all out for us. So I hope they get it better the second time, but it does, it is a little weird to me that, that they even, that they couldn't figure it out the first time around. They had enough time, I think, to set it up through the app. So I would give them a, you know, a B minus for this pay-per-view experience. Right. Uh, now, not to uh, poke holes in the strategy, out of curiosity, were you able to purchase it? Do you think you would have been able to do it through your phone? So, no, the, you, you were just not. Per- oh, you mean if I had just dialed, if I gone to like the browser on my phone? Yeah. 
Probably, but I was already freaking out. So <laughs> didn't occur to you. Uh, no, no, no. Just because uh, I'm just trying to put myself in the mind of a fan who is used to probably. Uh, I don't. <laughs> for the most part, uh, if it's a big UFC, I'll put it through my laptop and connect it because that's the way I do it. But uh, plenty of fans I know because the convenience of it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, they might watch, you know, the event on the phone. So it's like, hey, do you actually need a second device or can you do it all on your mobile device? So that would be my only question. I've been hearing a lot of that. Um, I think that they're going to figure it out. I think that experience is a big part of it for sure. If you're a paying fan, that this one is a good uh, test run. And I'm sure that there are plenty of fans who went through the same thing. So I think that that's going to be the biggest thing. That's going to be the biggest tell moving forward. But yeah, very interesting. I actually didn't uh, order. I was at a Karen Bryant's watch party and um, just hanging out with everybody watching it there. So it was a lot of fun. Um, the broadcast is still great. So if you're one of those people who's gone to, you know, the bar or the big restaurant, what have you, it does still work. So it's not like, oh, I can't go to my spot to watch fights anymore. No, they should still have the deals to work with that. So that's something to be said. Uh, Natalie, let's get into these fights. Dustin, the main event, Max Holloway, Dustin Poirier. First off, 49-46. Did you score the fight that much of a landslide for Dustin, or did you see it closer? I actually did not see it closer. I know Max had a moment there where he hurt Dustin, and, and Dustin even admitted so in his interview, his post-fight interview. But I didn't, I didn't think Max had a chance when they were reading the, the scorecards. I, I I wondered, you know, is he holding up his hand um, sort of halfway because, you know, that's just what you do after a fight. You know, you don't want to act like you lost or does he really does he really think he might have a chance here? So I was yeah. a little surprised by his his uh, reaction while waiting for the judges scorecards. Didn't think he won. Um, yeah, I wasn't I wasn't uh, I wasn't on the fence there. It was clear to me. What about you? I actually saw it closer. I thought it came down to the fifth. I thought it was 2-2. Um, I thought that uh, round one and two, uh, Dustin, pretty clear. I felt like Max was starting to uh, pull away in the third. Or sorry, I think Max started to put it a little bit together in the second. If I'm not mistaken, uh, Dustin did more damage. But I felt like there was just those moments where Dustin, even though his shots were having noticeably more effect that they were coming more sporadically and that Max was just getting on the bike and going to work and landing shots and moving well. Uh, he was getting his volume in. And I felt like those rounds, he was maybe getting just ahead of Dustin. All the rounds, you know, uh, for Max were close. He didn't have a landslide round like Dustin did in the first round. But I felt like Max maybe edged him out a little bit in the third uh, maybe in the fourth, and it was just one of those things. It's not that they weren't close. It was just that maybe, you know, Max's volume was outdoing a little bit of the shots that Dustin was landing. I will also point out it was a similar situation with the Alan Joban-Dwight Grant fight where a lot of people thought maybe Alan was doing work, but Dwight Grant, the few shots he landed, were having much more noticeable effect. So that might just be the set of judges we got to that night. So that's something I want to admit, but I saw it just a little bit closer. Um, I have not watched it back. So, you know, maybe if I watch it back, I'll be like, oh yeah, that was totally a Dustin fight. But I can say that in the moment, 
I felt like it was a little bit closer for Max that he was doing a little more. Um, to talk about the fight itself, uh, the biggest thing to me, I said that Max's movement, his volume, just his reach and his IQ in there, he was going to frustrate Dustin. Dustin, to me, has always been a little more, you know, a little more planted, a little more from the chamber. He's not really, you know, a high-speed kind of striker. He's kind of trying to sit there and hurt you a little more with each shot. It impressed me how well he was able to get to Max effectively, how well he was able to keep the pressure on. For Max, the fact that he wasn't able to get out of the way of shots, the way he's done against talented and powerful guys like Jose Aldo, like Brian Ortega. So the fact that Dustin Poirier was so effective, you know, he was always going to do more damage, but the fact that he was really able to stay on Max for the full 25 minutes, that is what impressed me the most because I thought he would actually have a lot more trouble getting to Max Holloway than he did. What was your assessment of the fight? Yeah, I, I agree with that. I thought he would have more trouble. He, but, but why he was able to land touch him up so much I think is because he came out strong and started hurting him in the first round yep you know the size difference between the two of them and the power difference was pretty stark from go Max looked even scrawny in there um against against Dustin Dustin had a really tight super impressive defense it's probably the best in the division just you know the stand-up defense with his guard left hand tight over his face you know with the with the right shoulder so that really impressed me he was hurting him from the start you know, obviously Max has the the volume game, but the the power that Dustin had, the power he was hitting him with, it just, you know, I've never seen Max hurt like that. He got a little bit, um, he was taking a little bit of damage from I think the first Aldo fight, but he came back. But this was this was completely different. I was kind of surprised. I was happy to see that he he could muster up the the gumption to to, to dig deep come back strong and like I said he hurt Dustin but the big takeaway was the size difference I think uh, I, I do disagree with Dana White saying Max should go back to 145 I mean I know he has to but I don't think it's going to be his permanent home I think that if he he trains properly you know strength proper builds up the body he needs to be at 155 and that should be really interesting he just was undersized um, that was sort of the bottom line for me yeah I think that um one toughness of Max Holloway. He showed why he is one of the best guys in the world, period, anyway, class, I think. And just um, his performance, the fact he took a lot. I mean, Dustin Poirier has put away guys like Eddie Alvarez, Justin Gaethje, Anthony Pettis, tough guys who do not go away. And yeah. um, Max Holloway stood in there and banged with him for 25 minutes. I think that you can't really understate that. That being said, uh, you know, big picture. Max Holloway was still fighting at 145 this December. You got to think that we weren't sure if this fight was going to happen until maybe it's April. They're probably talking about it February. You know, Max Holloway getting a 155 interim title fight. All of that together, you know, Dustin has had more time to change his body, put on more weight, put on more muscle to be a really strong 155-er. Max Holloway respectfully probably was just uh coming in in shape not really cutting too much weight to be a fast at 155 there wasn't working on really changing adding so much weight lifting a lot of weights for this fight so i think that with time maybe we'd see a slightly different fight but we don't grade it on that we graded on the performance they had on the night and 
Dustin Poirier really stayed ahead of him and got the job done. I felt like he overcame adversity in that fourth round to put it all together and um, really dominate the fifth. I thought he was just staying ahead of Max, and that's what gets the job done. Um, easier to start with Max Holloway. I think it's safe to say he's going to go back to 145. It gets a little more complicated. So Volkanovski fights Jose Aldo. I think that if he upsets him in May, then I think it's I think that Volkanovski just jumps ahead of everybody. Plain and simple. You beat a guy like Jose Aldo, you are the guy to fight for a featherweight title. And I think that that would really help his case to fight Max. Zabit is still getting there, but then I also saw Frankie Edgar is healed up from injury and that he still wants that fight at 145. I think that Frankie Edgar has the star power. So I think that right now it comes down to whether or not Volkanovski can beat Jose Aldo. And two, how impressive does he look? Because I think that Max Holloway versus Frankie Edgar is just an easier sell as a pay-per-view. So I think Volkanovski really needs to steal the show if he wants to jump over Frankie Edgar for the 145 title, what do you think? Yeah, that's a good point. Volkanovski, should he beat Aldo, which I actually don't believe he can. Aldo has looked too good. But should he do it? Correct. It has to be a really amazing performance because Frankie Edgar is sitting there. He was going to fight Max that, you know, I don't remember how long ago it was, but Ortega um, yep. ended up stepping in. So so that's that fight is still something we want to see. It does kind of actually it makes it a little bit interesting. Max coming off a loss, Frankie being out of the cage for for a bit, so mm-hmm. that would be good to see. Um, but yes, Frankie Edgar would be next in line. I don't want to see Aldo again. Should he beat Volkanovski? You know, Max beat him pretty soundly two times, but that does kind of make things interesting for Aldo. You know, if he does beat Volkanovski, he's kind of just swirling, waiting at the top there. He'll have to fight Aldo. I'm sorry. Aldo will have to fight Holloway again if he does beat Volkanovski, but I just don't want to see it so soon. I don't think they would do it. I love Aldo, but they won't do it. It's just, it's been proven. Max at his best beats Aldo at his best. It's not, no knock to say Aldo's great. And actually, now that I say this, Aldo's, isn't he talking about retiring? Like, doesn't he just want a few fights and then he's out? Yes, and to his credit, he isn't taking the super fights. He's fighting top contenders to show, hey, I know Max is great, but I am still, you know, uh, I haven't lost a step. I'm, you know, the new guy is just here. That's the only thing it is. So, respectfully, but I, I've heard Aldo kind of go back. He said he'll stay if UFC lets him do boxing. I feel like that's, uh, I don't know. I, I feel like that's just a little bit wishy-washy. Respectfully, I do think that Jose Aldo is going to call it a day at the end of 2019, whether he beats Vulcan and someone else, whether he, or whether he loses things like that but um yeah i think that max respectfully i think the fight with frankie comes in at a little more interesting just because he might seem a little more vulnerable and that makes a little more of an x factor in intrigue going to a max and frankie fight which i don't think we would have had had we just seen max versus frankie on saturday at 145 for example so that's saying something uh the next one Easy, no-brainer, everyone's on board, everyone's agreed, everyone's saying the right things on social media. Poirier to fight Habib Nurmagomedov. It looks like they want September in Abu Dhabi. Um, I don't want to talk X's and O's. I think it's safe to say we know it's two of the top 155ers, you know, in the world today. 
I would even say that Dustin, on the strength of his schedule and his activity, jumps a little, just a one step ahead of Tony Ferguson in terms of being the best 155er behind Habib. I think this is one of the biggest fights of 2019. What about you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the diamond versus the eagle, right? That That's a good yep. poster right there. Uh, D- Dustin has has clawed his way to the top, earned every single step, earned, it, earned his way every single step. And he looked really good against Max. Of course, the big... Uh, the big question here is how will he fare against the wrestling of Khabib? But I think it's an exciting fight. And un- unfortunately, I think it's going to bring out some interesting social media feedback from, you know, maybe Conor McGregor. So hopefully Khabib and, and Dustin can just stay above all that and focus on fighting each other when this actually gets booked. But, you know, if, they're looking for a co-main or someone else on the main card, you know, Connor and Tony, if Tony's ready, that could be interesting. Ooh, um, I like the way you think. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I worry for Connor McGregor at this point, even though I still am a huge fan of his because it's been so, he has such long breaks between MMA fights and like, he's only going after the, the killers now. So I don't know how that fight would shake out for him, but I would love to see it, especially on that card. That would be an interesting press I, I hate conference. To, I hate to say it. They ain't sending Conor McGregor to Abu Dhabi. Yeah, they I mean... Can't, they, they can't afford to pay for the funeral. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, he's, they, he's they, ruffled they, a few feathers. There's a reason they took Chael Sonnen out of Brazil or one of those other guys. They Or what was it, Colby Covington last year against RDA? They that's knew right. they couldn't protect him. You know, I don't care what they said. They knew it's because they couldn't protect them in Brazil. That's exactly why. Hundred percent. It just the the cost of security was not worth the the success, the payoff from the from the fight. Yeah. Exactly. But um, no, I I like what you're saying. I think it'll be interesting. I think that it puts good pressure on Conor McGregor. Dustin Poirier looked like a beast. The fight with Habib is huge. Um, so if you want to get back in the conversation, put up or shut up. And I think that's a great position to put a superstar into because then it's like, okay, we want to see him back. We want to see a big fight. This kind of puts him to do so. Twitter is not enough for you to talk your way back in because we see Dustin Poirier out here. He's ready to put on a show for us. Connor needs to do that now too, to kind of get back in the conversation, not just work off of his star power because fans know that fans can recognize that and they know when it's happening. So yeah, it's I getting think a little it's a stale thing. too. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that it's all bodes well. I'm going to say this. You asked me last week, I would say that Dustin versus the Eagle is the biggest fight of 2019. The co-main event changed my mind. I am ready to see what's next with these guys. Fight of the year so far. And it is going to be a tough one to top. Kelvin Gastelum, Israel Adesanya. Uh, I'm going to go off, so I'm going to go toss it to you first. Thoughts on this awesome fight? Keepers, that was that was a heck of a fight. And and it added to, like, a very exciting fight weekend. We had Lomachenko, Clarissa Shields, UFC 236. Yep. And then, you know, not sports-related, but Game of Thrones came back. So this was, like, <laughs> too much emotion for my, for my small pea brain to process. And then, you know, 
this COVID I like event. where your priorities are at. I like where your priorities are at. Really, I spent a lot of time sitting on my sofa in front of a TV screen. Um, That's but, a uh, good life right there. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Calvin, back to the fight. Back to the fight. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Calvin Yaslam, Israel Adesanya. Darn, darn, damn. I don't know if we can say bad words here. Calvin Gaslam had a chance to finish Israel Adesanya in the fourth round. And instead of, of closing it out with punches, he went in for that takedown. I'm still scratching my head over that one. But, of course, we have no idea what was going on in his head. He may not have even fully realized how hurt Adesanya was, how close he was to finishing his opponent. But, oh, well, what are you going to do? Adesanya was given a second chance. He found that extra gear. He dug deep. He essentially finished Gaslam in the fifth. You know, the ref just didn't call it, and then the clock ran out. My heart hurts yep. for Kelvin. I feel bad for Kelvin. He went from being hours away from fighting for the real belt to now, like, sliding back down the queue. And it kind of sucks for him. But it was a heck of a fight. Both of them are probably going to be completely different fighters after this just because of what they learned being in there with each other, what they learned about themselves, having to having to really face themselves, you know, how deep, how, how deep can you dig? What's left when you think all is lost? So it was a heck of a, an experience to watch that. Here's my, my biggest takeaway though. And, and, you know, hopefully I don't ruffle any feathers, but you see a lot of folks talking on social media about their, the payouts. And it, it really is a shame when you think about these four guys, Comain and Maine, making under 500k for, for putting their lives on the line to entertain us. I know it's a bigger conversation, but I get really excited talking about these fights and I don't want to forget that they're still not getting paid for for what they're doing. They're at the elite level, at the biggest stage. And you know, you look at Russell Wilson just signed a huge contract with the Seattle Seahawks for 4 years, 100 million dollars. I really want our MMA fighters to start getting the pay they deserve. But in any case, I'll send it back to you. No, well, I, look, that's, I, I think um, you're not wrong to say that for sure. And I know pay-per-view fo- points. I know there's a lot of behind the scenes, you know, like, hey, you know, you put on a show, here's an extra check for this and that. And, you know, guys get bumped a little bit. They get paid a little more per fights on deals and everything else. Um, You know, there's a lot of stuff maybe we don't know, but collectively, I I don't think you're wrong to say that. And, you know, just for all of our athletes, they really do take a lot and put their bodies on the line, you know, to compete and, you know, do it on TV for our entertainment. Um, In terms of the fight, uh, yeah, with Kelvin Gastelum, uh, really just uh, his shot selection, his movement, he didn't go for many leg kicks. He just, you know, faint head movement, you know, Picked his shots, and he got so close to Israel many times. He connected on some good ones. Uh, hurt him in the first. Had him hurt in the fourth. Hits, lands a head kick. You see how much taller Israel land, um, is taller, and you see Kelvin land that kick, and it's like, dude, you know, you really just on fire um, for Kelvin. We know his reputation. You know, the fight with Vitor being overturned because he had a you know, used marijuana, his struggles at 170 and everything that he's had happened there. Even in a loss, I feel like this is really, this is one of those that really helps change his reputation, change the narrative of his career. I think that despite everything he's done, maybe he still had a little bit of that underachiever kind of reputation to him. 
I think that this goes a long way. If he keeps fighting and performing the way he has, I think that that changes everything that we used to say about Kelvin, for sure. And then if you're Israel Adesanya, he showed a lot of things I was impressed with. For one, his heart, his determination. On the ground, he got taken down a bit, got back up, didn't take damage. You know, did a lot of things you're supposed to do. Um, The fifth round was just his coming out party. I think that we can point to those five minutes as the ones where he went from being a free TV fighter to being a pay-per-view headline fighter. That's what I think we saw out of Israel Adesanya. He made the adjustments. He started slipping and countering so accurate throughout the fight. Kelvin was right there, really pushed Adesanya to be his best. And I think that we just saw a great performance, but we saw the coming out party of Israel Adesanya. We saw glimpses of just how great, exciting, and fun this fighter can be. And, you know, uh, all together, I I just really enjoyed it. I was on edge of my seat. I, you know, it was one of the first fights in a while that I was like, man, this is just so good. And I stopped thinking about X's and O's and just enjoyed the show. So it was really a ton of fun for me. Um, Moving forward, uh, like I said before, I would have said Dustin and uh, Habib. Is the biggest fight. I just want to see Adesanya and Whitaker throw down in <laughs> Oz. I think that that's going to be another fight of the year stylistically. The firepower, the offensive capabilities of those two is off the charts combined. So that's where it stands for me. Let me toss that one to you. What do you think about what we're going to see out of the unification fight? I, I agree, actually. So even this, what we're Wednesday here, just Monday, Tuesday, Robert Whitaker, Israel Asanya already kind of going back and forth at each other a little bit. And it it's gonna be interesting. I I I I can't wait for the press conference. I know I should be more excited about the fight. Of course I am. But I want to mm-hmm. see what these guys do to each other when they're sitting, you know, on opposite sides of the table with their belts on the uh on the tables with them. I think it's gonna be really interesting. And yeah, talk about uh, a match made in heaven for the UFC. They're going to do it in Australia, I think is what Dana White said. Makes perfect sense. And, I mean, what do the what does Austra- what do Australians and New Zealanders, like, who do they root for? You know, this is going to, going to be a tough one for them. But, but the matchup, stylistically, yeah, we're talking Robert Whitaker with his kind of awkward, you know, weird movements that he has. He shoots out from the sides. He throws punches from weird angles. And Adesanya being, being this slick, like, creative fighter who showed – so much more in that Kelvin Gastelum fight. So if I were Robert Whitaker, I would be thinking, okay, like this guy isn't just Flash. Not only can he fight and, um, you know, study me in fight and make uh, and adapt where needed, but he has true heart, true grit. So that's a that's the next level thing that we're seeing out of Adesanya. We know Whitaker has that. I'm very excited about this. Um, I might be out of the loop. Is there any news yet on when they're going to book that? I know Whitaker's just starting training camp or starting to get back to uh, the gym, I think. I think they said that medically he'd be clear past about August. I'm okay. predicting an October, maybe even a December pay-per-view. <clears throat> I know they go to Canada like early December. Um, I feel like they might try to push to make a stadium show happen in October. I feel like that's a possibility if in the event that they can't get a big arena or big enough stadium to really accommodate that fight. I wouldn't be surprised if these guys headline Madison Square Garden. 
I think that that's another option. Um, I don't know where Connor is at, but I feel like we'd see Connor sooner. If Habib's fighting uh, Abu Dhabi, then that takes, you know, that takes our big headliners out of there. Maybe John Jones, if he gets past Santos, we might see him in uh, New York if that's what the UFC wants. But I feel like right now, if the stadium show doesn't happen, that we're going to see Whitaker and Adesanya probably the November MSG. I think that gives everyone just enough time and everyone would be happy. But uh, yeah, it's um, look, just uh, stylistically, like you said, I think that Whitaker has the knockout power maybe doesn't have the head movement that everyone wishes he did. And that could really be the X factor against a guy, like you said, as slick as Adesanya. But look, for as long as it lasts, it's almost hard to imagine, you know, a world where they don't put on such an amazing show. They're both very skilled, very big, very tough, fought five rounds, both of them. This is the fight. This is uh, the big one. And I, like I said, I like him more than Dustin and Mac, uh, Dustin and uh, Habib. So that one's it to me. So that's really just where I stand. That's how excited I am following this one. Um, you've seen, I'm sure, the news, the highlights. Did anything else stand out to you from UFC 236? Actually, yes, two two things. So first, Khalil sure. Roundtree Jr. I mean, oh, Lord. He's oh, a yeah. completely different fighter now. I was very impressed with him. I got to say, previous to, to Saturday's performance, maybe I wasn't too excited to catch one of his fights. But I really will be from now on. Uh, his leg kicks, that training that he did in Thailand, I've not. I can't think of a fighter that you know from from one camp to the next has transformed so much. So good on him. Yes, him. it's it's amazing. You know, I don't know the guy, but I'm sort of proud of him for for doing that. It's it's really nice to see a transformation like that right before our eyes. My other one, don't talking about eyes. Don't roll your eyes. But um, this has to do with the press conference. This gentleman mm-hmm. refers to himself as the schmo. Oh, um, I love that guy. <laughs> I got to say, man, he's entertaining me. I actually went back and watched all of his interviews from UFC 236 and a few other ones, uh, <laughs> including this Dana White one that he did. He's nothing, if not interesting. I'm, I'm looking forward to more of his content. I guess he's been around for a while, but I've, uh, he's, I guess he's never made an impression like he did just this past week. He's um, catching fire more lately. Uh, I met Schmo once, actually, recently. Uh, I was very uh, surprised that for his personality, he was very uh, polite. And, and I don't want to say quiet, but, you know, he was chill. He was reserved. He clearly turns it on for the cameras. But I, I talked to him and was like, hey, man, that was really fun to watch you. I've seen you a bit. And he was like, thank you. And, you know, we would had a little bit of small talk, but I found him to be a very pleasant individual. And... Uh, Look, the fighters recognize him. More promotions recognize him. He clearly goes out there. He knows what he wants to put out there. Um, He didn't seem like a bad guy to me. So, you know what? More power to him. He's out there having fun. And I'm glad that he had a viral moment and more people are getting introduced to him. Yeah, for sure. What about about you? Did you have any other takeaways from uh, UFC 236? Yeah, I mean, Halil Roundtree, he just looked proud of the work he was showing off. You could just, like, he was smiling like, yo, it's working. All this stuff I did paid off. You could see it in his face fighting. It was impressive. Uh, Nikita Krylov uh, outlasting OSP and then submitting him, even though he probably could have kept that one standing and bang with him. I was impressed by that. Uh, That really all stood out to me. Um, I was watching, like I said, the fights with Karen Bryant, and so... 
It was very tough to see the disappointment when Dwight Grant took that split decision. Oh, I, yeah. I, I I did think that was uh, closer. I did feel like that should have been Allen's a bit. But like I said, I think that just goes to the judges we had on this night and how they were scoring. So that really just stood out to me. But um, yeah, it was a fun night. It was a fun pay-per-view. I enjoyed the experience of it. Uh, fans who follow me know that I had a lot of... Um, content leading up to it so i had a lot of fun and it was just a really good really good to get back to a pay-per-view after we kind of have had a little bit of a break from major mma so i was with it yeah hey real quick what was the the crowd like during the gastelum adesanya fight out there at david busters oh my gosh we were excited everyone's going back and forth uh a lot of fans were excited when izzy started putting it together and then, of course, those first few rounds when you see Gastelum lighting him up and it's like, damn, he's going to get him. So it was really a lot of fun. We were we were whooping and hollering and we were <laughs> ready to see a show. Um, there were a lot of Max fans. So kind of that main event got called. And, you know, uh, I will say this. I think people kind of, you know, weren't ready for another five round battle. I could feel uh, people were more silently cheering and hollering. By the time we got to the main event, I think we lost our one good jump on the co-main. So I will say that. Yeah, it was like an adrenaline dump, I think. And we just couldn't yeah. take any more. It, it really was. I, I'll admit that. But yeah, it was a great experience. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to more. But yeah, we had a lot going on, Natalie. I can't believe we still have a whole MMA news segment. But let's talk about the big one that came out. TJ Dillashaw, we know he was suspend. He was going to be suspended. We know he admitted to using something. We find out he used EPO, which for fans like myself who weren't familiar, uh, it's a serious PED, does help with cardio and conditioning, and most tellingly, this thing can't be a tainted supplement kind of thing. It's a serious PED that can only be taken through injection, TJ Dillashaw took the social media and just faced the music. And he has been suspended two years by USADA. He doesn't return until 2021. Obviously, by now, fans have seen his coaches and other fighters like Cody Garbrandt come out and talk about it and just, uh, you know, hang him out to dry, I think is the quickest way to say it in terms of what happened. Um, quite bluntly, Natalie, reaction to just the severity People thought it might just be a diuretic to make 125. No, he was taking some serious stuff. So what was your reaction to it? Disappointed. I was disappointed. Yes, definitely not a uh, contaminated supplement. As you said, TJ Dillashaw straight up cheated. There's, there's no need to mince words on that. He found a source for EPO. He injected himself. He continued training. He ran around doing interviews, proclaiming like the greatness of his strength and conditioning and he just lied and lied. So it's kind of it's kind of tough to take. So even after his loss to Cejudo, he went on the Joe Rogan podcast. He went on Below the Belt show talking about his frustration over the bad stoppage, lamenting he couldn't show everybody the byproduct of all his hard work. And so I just think about it like from a human perspective, like human to human. You know, it takes a special kind of person to publicly gripe about losing a fight that you know that you deliberately cheated in to win. Yeah. Yep. So it's, it's just, I'm, I'm shaking my head, but Hey, talking about, you know, human to human, we're all human. And he's the one that's got to look himself in the mirror and, and he's facing the music now. 
I mean, what can you say? I started out by saying it's disappointing, and I guess that's how I'll end it. It's disappointing. Yeah, um, to me, uh, I, the biggest thing I kind of went back to is the test for EPO. They don't do it every time because it's such a unique drug in the way it's detected. So you have to specifically be looking for it to catch it. It won't come up in the, I guess, um, the general test that they run on everyone's blood and other samples, right? So the fact that, you know, they said that his previous test before, like in December for it, they had it, they tested it, it was there. His whole career is in question right now, you know, like the fights with Cody, the fights with whomever, you know, suddenly it's like, well, we didn't test you. Maybe you were on the juice. That all is very disappointing because I think that let's say like it is until this happened, we were arguing Who's the best 135er we've ever seen? You know, Dominic or TJ? Suddenly, it's like, ah, well, it, Dominic never tested positive. He has, he needs to be wrapped in bubble wrap, but he's never <laughs> tested positive for something. Um, and all that is like, well, you know, like, dude, you know, like you or hate you, you were the man, you know, for all the the snake and all this stuff, the Connor thing, the feud with alpha male Uriah Faber, all of that, it's like it's a moot point. You know, we don't know if you were ever legit. That is a very unfortunate thing. And um, look, like we said, he's face- like I said, he's facing the music. He's not arguing about it. I think he's having the tail between his legs kind of moment right now. And um, look, uh, like you said, disappointed is the biggest deal. And I think that there's nothing else that needs to be said on that that hasn't already been said about him. Um, What I will toss it to is that at the end of the day, he's not the first athlete to test positive for steroids and been allowed back. Brock Lesnar, who we still are all clamoring to see fight Daniel Cormier, is just as guilty, if not more. Um, John Jones has had issues. So I'm going to toss it to you. I think when he comes back, he'll be 35, 37. I need to double check that. Do you see a scenario where TJ could ever return to the top of the Bantamweight division? I actually don't know. So he's like almost psychotically competitive and that, you know, extract the EPO from the conversation when you talk about how competitive he is. Yeah. Because he, he, without that, he still is that person. But obviously, the EPO only only supports the notion that he wants to win at any cost. So I wonder how he's going to feel when he starts a training camp again off the EPO, assuming we, we can just assume he only used it for this fight with Cejudo, but we don't know. True. He's two years older. And who knows who knows what the competition is going to look like in 2021? So those are a lot of important factors. I heard Dominic Cruz talking to, um, I think, Ariel Helwani. He yep. thinks TJ is going to benefit greatly from the time off. His body's going to heal the way, you know, Cruz's did. But there's a big difference there. Cruz was injured. That's why he was out of the picture. When you when you cheat and you have to face down your personal demons, it's a bigger challenge to overcome than just than just physical ones that that Dominic Cruz did. Not not that he didn't also have mental mental things to work on because of having to face being out of the cage. But this is a this is next level. And yep. he's going to have to prepare himself not only to face his 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 co-workers, if you will, at the UFC, his 135ers, mm-hmm. anybody else that he worked with behind the scenes. He's got to face all of them and, and they all going to know you're, you cheated. And then he has to prepare himself 
to talk about cheating until the end of time. This is never going to go away. Every interview that he does, this is going to be one of the one of the points that one of the questions that come up. It's the asterisk on his career for the end of time. So unlike, you know, John Jones, who at least, I guess, has the benefit of claiming contaminated substance, TJ has no cover, no scapegoat. And I think it's going to be it's going to be very difficult for him. But, you know, we'll see what he does. He's got two years to figure it out. Uh, I think to me, the biggest thing is when you look at guys like Brock and John Jones, for example, um, they, they had the superstardom. John Jones, millionaire by the time he ever had an issue, right? Uh, Brock Lesnar, they don't care about it in WWE as long as you're performing well because it's a show, it's entertainment, it's not a real competition, so to speak. <clears throat> TJ doesn't have those benefits. TJ, you know, he's not he, he's not a Conor McGregor on pay-per-view. He wasn't those things. Yes, he's a great fighter, great talent, one of the top guys, but he wasn't making, you know, grandkids are set for life kind of bank. Right. And I think that that really is... Uh, a tough thing to swallow because it's like now it's like well where are you at and um when i look at it for two years i think um you know look we've seen john come back and do it we've seen uh i mean he's the biggest one that stands out to me the competition uh is marlon Moraes still going to be at the top is henry cejudo going to be hanging around up here with these guys uh aljamain sterling other you know pedro muñoz they are all i think kind of you know, they're, they're cresting, they're hitting the peak all around the right time, which is what made 135 very interesting this year. Now it's like, well, are they still going to be running the show in two years? Or are we going to see guys that maybe we're not even talking about right now at the top of the wave? You know what I mean? So that is what stands out to me is that I don't even know where the division is going to be. So I think that that's going to be a wait and see. I think that it is definitely in a transition period. I think that we're going to be looking for the next guy at 135. And we may not have it for a minute. It could be like 185 where we had, you know, we went from Weidman to Luke to Bisping to Whitaker to GSP. You know, it might be in a period before we see that guy really stand out and hold it for a minute. So I think that that's something to keep an eye on is that Bantamweight is about to be very different than it was just two months ago. Uh, moving on, I think that, you know, once again, is one of those things that you can only just observe, you know, and what's happened and, you know, more decisions will be made later. Another one to debate, speaking of Brock Lesnar, Dana White says that DC versus Brock is not even being worked on right now. <laughs> He said that it might actually be a Stipe rematch for DC. Uh, he told that at their big press conference. The crowd started booing and groaning. And Dana White said, yeah, that's exactly what DC said too. Um, which I get. The big question, um, first off in a more fun conversation, do you think Dana White's being honest? Or do you think he's just saying that so they can maybe announce it at a bigger event later on that DC versus Brock Lesnar is going to happen. Hey man, I would say cue the laugh track because this has to be a diversion. Uh, there's no way that, uh, so, so it's a diversion. I think Dana White's fibbing. I don't believe the WWE would outro Brock, Brock's loss of the universal title or the, what is it? The yeah. Universal belt yeah. with all of that talk of Las Vegas and the ultimate challenge. If, 
if DC Brock wasn't in the works on the UFC side. I think it's kind of funny that, you know, Dana White's pretending not to know about this Brock WrestleMania send-off. That's pretty good acting, but we've seen it from him before. So, um, definitely, uh, I don't believe him. And, you know, it was a nice touch to say that that's that DC reacted the same way the crowd did. You know, he's pretty good at, like, covering his, his fibs with, uh, with some supporting, you know, evidence. You know, he doesn't get enough credit. He can have some very good humor when he wants to. Um, uh, I guess the biggest thing, uh, yeah, I'm with you. Uh, it reminded me of when uh, John Morgan asked uh, Dana White, like, hey, you know, we're waiting for Connor Habib. Do you have another video package you're about to bring out? What's going on? And, um, you know, 20 minutes later, they run it and send him off. And he's like, sorry, John Morgan, I lied. And it's like, come on, Dana. Yeah. um, So this isn't unheard of. I really do feel like we could get to the, what's our, um, I don't think they'll announce it at the Brazil Rose Namajunas Jessica pay-per-view, but maybe the June pay-per-view and they're talking about, and they'll just do the video and we're going to do DC versus Brock Lesnar in LA in August for the pay-per-view. I could see that happening. Maybe even International Fight Week, although I doubt you know, they'd wait that long. They'd play that close to the fight. But I feel like that could very easily be what happens. But let's go down the rabbit hole. Let's say that something's going on. Brock Lesnar decides he wants WWE money. He doesn't want to go through the trouble of earning UFC money. He's, and the fight doesn't happen. How would you feel about a DC versus Stipe rematch? At this point, I'm okay with it. I mean, DC has to fight somebody. Stipe has to fight somebody like... Let's just do it. I want to see both of these guys in the cage. So I don't have any issue with it. It's not as exciting as DC versus Brock, but there's still a lot of weight behind it. DC beat Stipe to win the, to take his belt. Stipe was the most uh, winningest heavyweight champion with three, three successive defenses. So it's still a good fight. I, I do just wonder how is Stipe going to be? I don't even know how long it's been since that fight. He's been out of competition. It's going to be a year for, in July. Yeah. Out of competition for a bit, and DC also um, coming off the injury or injuries. I'm not clear on what exactly how many things were keeping him out of the cage. So I I want to see it because I want to see both of them fight, and if that's all we get, then I'll take it. You know, after all this, if we did get the rematch, I'd be very disappointed. Um, it's not that they're not good fighters and good guys. It would be the fact that they, uh, um, how do I put it? Uh, I guess after all of that's happened with Stipe and pushing for the rematch, that he waited it out and this is how it happens. It's like, really, you know, uh, I, I guess that part of it. Then, uh, you know, let's say the fight does happen. Well, it's Stipe doubling down, you know, you didn't get it before. Now you really are up against the wall here. This is what you wanted. This is what you held out for. This is what you kept going on and on about. If you don't get that belt back, I don't think you can ever say anything about it again ever. Like in comment, in passing, in joking, period. That is how much he has pushed for this fight. And um, I think that it would be just so much pressure. I, I think it would be really crazy. So I think that that's definitely where we are at right now. It's entirely possible, but but if I'm Stipe, I would be thinking, darn, I wish I had had 
just taking another fight in the meantime, just to keep my, my wits about me, you know, to keep my reflexes sharp because jumping right back in against DC, that's, that's tough. But yes, if he wins, then we would like to hear the end of, of that for sure. Yeah. But um, look, it's, it's one of those things I will, you know, I think it's safe to say I'm going on the record. We're going to see that announcement happening. I think Dana White is just being a little tongue in cheek about it and, that's fine. UFC has a business to run. They don't pay millions of dollars for that promo team to make commercials for old news. So I'll give them that credit. Sometimes you do have to keep a secret so you can have these big promos. You know, it's like a new trailer for the Avengers. They don't spend all that money just for people to read the results on Twitter. So I get it. <laughs> um, following up, one last announcement from UFC 236. The UFC will induct Rich Franklin to their Hall of Fame later this summer. He joins Michael Bisping as one of the most notable fighters that's going to be announced. Um, this one, Rich, former middleweight champion. You know, uh, people would argue that for a long time, he was the second best guy at 185 ever behind Anderson Silva. His last fight was in 2012, and he retired in 2015. People were like, I thought he'd already retired. He kind of held out for a while. He said, you know what? I'll, I'll come back for one last one. Just one more. Just proper send off. And it wasn't until later he said, you know, I just admitted that the time had just simply passed. And I was really thinking I might do it and would feel good. But he admitted that the time, the moment was just over to have his comeback. And he called it a day. Today, he's the vice president of one championship like Misha Tate. And he's been with them for a while on their business side and helping with the fighters and being an ambassador, all those things. So that's Rich Franklin today. Natalie, I know Rich Franklin might be in an era that you needed to fire up your fight pass for. But let me toss <laughs> it to you. Your favorite Rich Franklin moment. Well, you got me. Yeah, I was going to say that, you know, you know, my dark secret, which is that I've only been watching <laughs> MMA for a decade now. So I actually did catch a Rich Franklin fight live uh, during <laughs> that during that time. And it was Liddell versus or Franklin versus Liddell. So I'm oh, glad that's I got a good one. Up. Yeah, it was a really, a really freaking good one. Sorry. I'll just use the old uh, the old effort there. So uh, Brian Stan um, on Saturday was in the, uh, the the piece they made about him. That was his yep. pick. It's my pick. Uh, Rich broke his arm. He still knocked Chuck Liddell out cold. He landed a really a bunch of unnecessary shots at the end, but you know that's MMA sometimes. It was a little bit hard to watch, but it was still an awesome moment. So, so that's my pick for uh, for best Rich Franklin fight. I mean, I don't know if they still run it, just because by the time I get pay per view, the clip is usually already ended, and they're already you know John Anik and Rogan introing the show. But for a long time, they had that clip in the montage of Rich Franklin, that one-punch knockout on Nate Quarry that sends him across the octagon. That always stands out to me. Um, I hate to say, but a lot of his fights, exciting, but the ones he kind of came up short in, in uh, terms of guys like, uh, you know, Vitor Belfort, Dan Henderson, guys like that uh, in recent years. But... um. For me, the thing that stands out to Rich Franklin is that he really was the poster boy. You know, Chuck Liddell was what you imagined a cage fighter looked like. But I can't remember how many times they used to say, you have Rich Franklin, the math teacher. He was yeah. the math teacher. And, you know, he, uh, I remember when he retired, Dana White said, you know, 
he was one of those guys that when we were trying to change the reputation, he really did help our image. He was well-spoken. He was a nice guy, exciting fighter, and he put on a show. And, um, you know, uh, I always remember that. He was a great ambassador for the sport before Fox, before ESPN, before uh, anyone, everyone knew who these guys and girls were. He was one of those guys who really helped get their momentum going to go from niche to more mainstream like we are today. So I always remember that. Um, I saw, we saw him at one championship. Nice dude. I've had uh, other people around who said they've met him and said he was a pleasant individual to see. And, you know, he, re- he used to own a juice bar in L.A. Now, obviously, he's doing bigger things. So I don't even know if the business is still open. But, um, you know, the fact that he's content doing his thing, I think that's awesome. And so, Rich Franklin, well-deserved, you know, a real one of the legends and pioneers of the sport that got us. Without the Chuck, the Tito, the Rich Franklins, we don't get to Conor McGregor on Fox with Mayweather and all that. We don't get to Ronda. It doesn't become a big deal. So, Rich Franklin, thank you. So, um. Yeah, that's really all I could say about that. Unless you have more to add, because I'm okay talking about Rich. Rich never got into problems. <laughs> I, we, I know, but that was now, well put. I like the I like the way you uh, you put the tied the ball on that one. Like put it this way, Rich Franklin was fighting right now. We wouldn't have to be talking about what he said on Twitter. I'll say that. That's <laughs> that's know, correct. He's a stand-up dude and uh, of the old school where you just talk with your fists in the cage, and that's about it. Yeah, so, you know, congrats, Rich. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Um, Moving on, we talked about it a bit last week, so we can kind of just really skim through this one. This Saturday, UFC St. Petersburg, UFC back in Russia, uh, Alistair Overeem taking on late replacement Alexei Olenek. Once again, Olenek was training to fight, I think, on the Jacare Hermanson card coming up next week, but um, gets moved in because Alexander Volkov uh, got injured. This one, great striker, great grappler. We've had a week to think about it. Who pulls out this one, Natalie? Yeah, I'm actually glad we had a little bit of time because I I went back and just watched some of their fights, recent fights. So I would say it's tough to say who wins. Alistair, obviously, as you said, has a stand-up advantage. I wouldn't sleep on Alexi. He can definitely land some punches. I rewatched Hunt, his fight with Hunt, with Mark Hunt. I would say Alistair could find success by, by chopping down at that lead leg. But Overeem has this bad habit of lunging forward and, and dipping his head when he goes for an overhand uh, punch. That seems like a bad idea against someone with the Lexi submission record. So nothing against Overeem. He's a nice guy. I've enjoyed watch, watching him fight. But I kind of want to see Alexi dish out another submission. I think it would be cool for him to put another one uh, on the books and against someone like Alistair Overeem. I actually think he's going to get it done. I think Overeem can get stuck in like repeat mode sometimes and i see alexi finding an opportunity to take him down and i'd say it's over from there for me i really look at where alistair Overeem is at in 2019 it's not that he's not still dangerous got that veteran know-how has the skills Uh, i don't believe in his power the way i used to i don't believe in his ability to take someone out with one shot like i used to I would say that um, the adjustment from Volkov to Olenek is very drastic. I think Olenek does the same thing no matter who you are. 
Whereas Overeem, he was training to stand and bang with a guy like a tall guy like Volkov. And um, now Olenek, you know, a little more compact wrestler who's going to kind of barrel toward you and use his size to really wrestle you down and hold you there and go for a submission. Very different fight. Um, I would say that I think uh, I've been feeling Olenek on this one. I really feel like he's just going to cover up. He's going to, you know, change levels. He's going to faint a little bit, and he's going to just get over him down. And compared to Curtis Blades or other guys, I feel like he's going to be able to just stay on top, use his size and do damage. I see a first-round TKO for Olenek. I think that he's going to be able to just pound over him out. I think over him, to his credit, gonna protect the chin and the limbs really well he's in the neck he's not gonna get submitted that way unless he's really hurt so i think that olenic is gonna have to just do it the old-fashioned way and just use some ground and pound to put down over him but i see it happening early i think that he's gonna have the i think he's just a bad matchup for over him at the end of the day plain and simple wow i did not expect you to say first round tko for olenic but i would love to see that um I think it'll, I think it'll be second or third round submission. But either way, yeah, we both got uh, Olenek beating over him, so we'll see. Yeah, there we go. And of course, you know, look, full credit, Overeem is in, you know, Europe where he is from. I mean, so is Olenek, respectfully. But he might be feeling it. He might be like, you know what? I hate that people are saying that, and he'll just come out and blitz him. I'm all for it. That makes for more fun knockouts. But uh, I'll, I'll go on the record tonight. I think I. Just don't see that happening for this Saturday. But, of course, you know, we wait and see. That's why they actually get out there and fight. So we'll recap that one next Saturday. Next week event from Fort Lauderdale, Jacare Souza against another late replacement in Jack Hermanson. They kind of had their little talk. And with Adesanya and everything going on with Whitaker, Jacare is a guy to watch for that middleweight division with a victory. So... There's a little more writing on this one than people may realize. So that's going to be something for us to talk about next week. Natalie, what are your thoughts as we ride into another weekend full of MMA? My thoughts on the uh, Miami fight or just my thoughts in general? Because I could go for a long time on that. Oh, in general. As we send out <laughs> the fans for the week. So... Uh, well, it's uh, going to be pretty hot over here in, uh, in SoCal where we're stationed. So I'm looking forward to uh, some 80 degree weather. Going to turn on the old AC. Um, actually, uh, been been updating my website, thestraightpunch.com for a little bit. So excited to uh, to be rolling that new look, new layout out, I should say. Um, and well, yeah, congratulations. Yeah, thanks, man. It's uh, it's been a lot of fun, but there's still a lot more work to do. And uh We've got, what do we have on the cards uh, fight-wise apart from UFC? We have, oh, Terrence Crawford, Amir Khan. That's a pay-per-view. I don't know if I'm going to shell out the cash for that. There's been a lot of pay-per-views recently, and I'm a, I'm still a little bit reeling from the um, Errol Spence, Mikey Garcia, like $74, $80 pay-per-view. So I don't know how I feel about this one. but uh, And but yeah, that one was one-sided. It was so one-sided. It was such a bummer, and I... I wish they would give us like some of our money back for that one. <laughs> I really do. Um, what else? There's another fight, but I can't remember who it is. Uh, uh, anyway, yeah, that's all that's going on. Yeah. So working on the website, working on just general MMA stuff and going to watch the fights. What about you? 
I'm looking forward to it. I've had a lot coming up. I've had a lot coming out. Um, thank you to everyone who watched the preview show with uh, my friend Jessica Vaughn. We had a lot of fun. Uh, just released an interview for uh, belated happy birthday, Gina Carano. We had a great conversation. She talked to me about a lot. She is never, ever going to shut the door on a possible return to MMA. She said that, but, um, you know, she's coming up in the new Star Wars series this year. So a lot of cool stuff to talk about with her. And uh, yeah, just thank you guys to everyone who checks out the content. Um, definitely check out Natalie's site, thestraightpunch.com. She does a lot of good stuff. I love the format. It's, it makes it very easy to navigate and really everything always stands out at you on your website. Yeah, I really I like that it, about you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Natalie, where can fans find you on social media? Talk to you about all this wonderful fight action. Yes, I am ready with uh, ready and waiting with open arms. If you want to talk to me via Twitter or Instagram, I'm at uh, ZamudioRama5 on Twitter and at ZamudioRama on Instagram. Believe it or not, somebody on Twitter already has ZamudioRama, so I had to add the five there. How dare uh, they? How dare they? I honestly, I'm just going to say this. I don't. I wouldn't have figured there were that many Natalie Zamudios out there, but there are so many like that name is just already taken in many forms on Twitter. So I had to go to Zamudio Rama thinking I'd be safe. Not safe. Someone had it. In any case. Out of uh, curiosity, of those... were, Z- were Zamudio Rama 1, 2, 3, and 4 already taken too? <laughs> you know what? No, they weren't. I should have uh, I should have tried Zamudio Rama 1, but 5's my... Uh, <laughs> I was born on the 5th, and so that's the number I went with. And um, okay. go figure. <laughs> No, it's all good. Guys, you can find me all the time at Double G on TV. Just fill out the word double. Remember, check out Moodyorama 5 all the time. And guys, we'll be back next week. Have a great one.